Oh, man. You had me. Uh, I didn't get it. may have seemed that way. I didn't get in the flesh just then, though. Praise the Lord. Again, good morning. It's great to see y'all's faces here today. And hello, New Covenant uh, online as well. Uh, we love you and, and pray you're being blessed uh, during this service as well. And um, uh, if you'll join me in a brief word of prayer, we'll get into today's word without further delay. Uh, dear Heavenly Father, um, we just uh, sanctify uh, th- this time, Lord. Uh, prepare our hearts in our mind, Father, to uh, receive your word with the sincerity that it demands, Father, and to receive it as a word from you unto each of, unto each of us. And uh, let, it, let it hit home and speak to us in the way that we need it to speak to us uh, in, in order for your will to be accomplished in our, in our lives today. Uh, Father God, you have a purpose and a plan for us today. In some way, you want to conform us into the image of your son and, uh, and, and continue progressing us uh, in maturity uh, in the Lord. And we just invite you to do that. And uh, we welcome you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So we're going to start in the Gospel of John chapter 1 today. There was a line in that uh, last song, uh, well, no, the middle song, a line in the middle song that really, uh, that really spoke to me. It says, for the one who gave me life, nothing is a sacrifice. Use me how you want to, God, have your throne within my heart, you know, and I think that goes in line with what God puts on my heart today, has put on my heart today. And, uh, and it, it deals with, uh, spiritual growth today, but from going from children to sons. We're going to start again, uh, John chapter 1, verses 10 through 13 says, He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. And here's the takeaway from this verse that I want us all to get. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And I want to pair that with John chapter 3 during the conversation that Jesus had with Nicodemus. Uh, verses 3 and 5 say this, Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And it dropped down to verse 5. He answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and of the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. So we can't even grow into sons of God without first being born again. 
I know that goes without saying, but we can't, not everybody who visits a church, not everybody who is sitting in the pews on Sundays is born again. And you need to know that in order to walk with the Lord, in order to have eternal life, in order to be able to understand and, and live according to the Spirit, you're going to first have to be born again. That's a requirement. Now, the word used for children of God, I like it because it's translated correctly here. Um, the, 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 the Greek word is napios. Napios. Okay, it's N-E-P-I-O-S. Napios. Now we all know in the natural that if we have a son or a daughter, in this case we'll say son, that child is our son throughout its entire stages of development. But what often gets lost in translation a lot of times is things get translated son in the Bible, gets translated in English as son, and it misses the distinction in maturity level that it's talking about sometimes. So I like the fact that uh, napios also means, it, it means an infant or a child, a minor, not of age, or figuratively it means a childish or immature person. So napios means. And when we first come to the Lord, that's what we are. We are children. We are babes in Christ. We, we lack maturity. And it is God's objective to, to grow us from infants to mature sons. I'll, I'll talk about the Greek word uh, for mature sons uh, later on. But I just wanted to say that very uh, very quickly, that there are several different words in the Greek that just get translated sons, and you have to understand the context, and you have to know the Greek word that's being translated in order for you to know uh, where, where appropriate, to know whether it's talking an immature son or a mature son. For an example of that, I want you to go to, well, Hebrews 5, verses 11 to 14. Sorry, when I first came to the ministry, we didn't have all this. So everybody had to have an actual paper Bible and you had to turn to it. Now we swipe to it or, or we see it on the screen. Uh, God bless technology. It's all good. Uh, just help me adjust to it. Lord. Hebrews 5, verses 11 through 14 say this. About this, we have much to say, and it is hard to explain, since you have become dull of hearing. For though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you again the basic principles of the oracles of God. You need milk, not solid food. For everyone who lives on milk is unskilled in the word of righteousness, since he is a child. The word there is napios. Unskilled in the word of righteousness. But solid food is for the mature, for those who have their powers of discernment trained by constant practice to distinguish good 
from evil. And so God would have us trained, right? He would have us discipled. He would have us to grow and mature in the things of God so that we don't have our senses dulled, but we're able to discern good from evil. Are you hearing me? Napios. Every one of us who is born again, at the very least, we're Napios. We're all children. We're all heirs. Uh, and I didn't give this to them back there. But, you know, in Galatians chapter 4, the Bible says, that Paul says in the Bible that, that there is not any di- real difference between a child who's an heir and a slave. Because the child isn't ready, he's heir, he owns, though he owns everything, he is subject to handlers and, 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 and managers and people who, who are part of the process of disciplining him, training him up so that he can one day be prepared to take over and inherit what belongs to him and be responsible with it and handle it well. And it says we are like that. We start off immature and God wants us to grow into maturity. The question I want to address today is how do we grow from a napios, a childish or uh, immature believer who still is connected to and affected by the elemental principles of this world to one who is dead to self and who is walking in faithful obedience to the Lord, walking in the spirit and not according to the flesh. So the important question is, how do we grow from napios into a huios? A mature son of God, H-U-I-O-S, is huios. It looks like huios, but it's huios. How do we do this? And I believe for born-again believers, remember you have to be born again, the key to growing from napios to huios comes from the mouth of Jesus himself. And this will be something you've heard before. Luke chapter 9, verse 23. There's a lot of things we can focus on. We, it, th- th- there are people who are so faithful in prayer, they pray all the time. They attend every Bible study. They attend every service and all of that. But here, but none of that stuff will mature you. How many verses you've read? How many Bible studies you attend, how many church services you attend, none of that stuff will mature you without this. Luke 9, verse 23, and he said to all, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. That's a key. It's one verse, but it's huge. Because it's the key to our growth in the Lord. It's the key to us reaching that uh, 
the, reaching the same conclusion in that verse I read earlier from that song that the worship team sang, the key to our having an attitude that nothing is a sacrifice for the one who gave me life. Use me how you want to, God. Have your throne within my heart. You know, as a disciple, I don't know how many of y'all have watched the series The Chosen, but to me, that gets highlighted in there. That speaks to me in a definitive way. When Jesus says, come follow me, what did those disciples do? They had, they left everything and followed Jesus. The fishermen put down their nets. One of them, at least, Peter, he was Simon before Jesus changed his name, was married. And it broke my heart at that one episode. I can't remember what episode it was, but when Nicodemus had that conversation with Jesus and he knew in his heart who Jesus was and Jesus told him to follow me. We're leaving tomorrow. And he said, follow me. And he said, and Nicodemus showed up the next day And he had left money for them to go on their uh, trip and he watched them as they left and he wept because he was so tethered to the things of his life that he could, he felt he could not just abandon that and follow Jesus. And he was sat there grieved, weeping, sobbing. And Jesus said, I can't believe it's still vivid in my mind. But the Jesus character in the, in the said, uh, he knew he was there because he's Jesus. And he said, you came so close, Nicodemus. You came so close. If anyone will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. You know, what does the cross represent? Anybody want to give, blurt out an answer? What, what, what is the, no wrong answers, unless it's wrong, I'll tell you. What does the cross represent to you? Hmm? The word. Okay. Sacrifice. Salvation. All right. Anybody else? Self-denial. All right, praise God. Suffering and pain. Death, okay. Reconciliation. But then you got to be fast. <laughs> I'm sorry? Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, all of that... I believe all of that is part of it. But I guess uh, the, the way I would phrase it, the cross represents a place where the flesh dies and the spirit lives unto God. Right? Uh, Christ suffered on the cross. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Right? The, 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 the flesh is going to resist taking up our cross, right? But the cross represents a place where the spirit lives 
the flesh dies. And Jesus said in Luke nine, uh, in Luke nine twenty three, which I just read, that we should take up our cross. How often? Daily. Let me do this. I'm sorry, I forgot to uh, put my deal on never auto lock, so I had to reopen my screen. But it's a place where the flesh dies and the spirit lives unto God. The flesh dies and the spirit is committed into the hands of God, totally subject to his will. Jesus said on the cross, into thy hands I commit my spirit. says that we shall not walk by flesh or not walk by sight, but by what? Say that again. Shall walk by faith, not by sight. Paul even said himself in Galatians 2.20, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. That's another one we should circle, highlight, star, do whatever, uh, because that's the objective. That's what we should be shooting for. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life I now live in the flesh I live by faith in the Son of God. I have to deal with this flesh, but I do not live according to it. Though I must wear this flesh and interact in this realm, I I am not subject to it. I live by faith and am led by the Spirit of God. So I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Let us never forget that. I love not only what he said he does, he, he stated what the situation is. I am crucified with Christ. Christ did this. I am crucified with Christ. I made that choice. I make the choice every day to subject myself to the will of God so that it's not me who's living. You're not seeing me. My objective is that you see Christ lived out in me because he's the one that I should be pointing you to. We must die to self and totally commit to Christ being lived out in us. That's what it's about. We can read all the scripture that we want. If we're not that committed, it's not going to do a bit of good. We can attend all the Bible studies. We can, we can go from church to church. We can, hey, I hear God's doing great things over at that church. And, and so I want to go there. I want to soak it up. I want to get, well, we may be saying that, but if we are not crucified with Christ, if we have not taken up our cross, 
daily and follow him, we're not maturing. I'm not saying you're not saved, you're not maturing in the Lord, right? And, and, and God wants us to, wants us to mature. So following Christ then is costly. What will it cost you? It'll cost you your pride. Cost you your life. It'll cost you your earthly heritage. Anything else? It costs you your agenda. It'll cost you your plan for your life or your agenda. It'll cost you your way of thinking because you're going to have to have your mind renewed. Your way of thinking, being wise in your own eyes, is not going to get it done. You're going to have to abandon your way of thinking and adopt God's truth in his way. You're going to have to abandon your own way of doing things. I mean, you name it, all of it. You know, you don't even have, while it's not a sin to be angry, because scripture says be angry and sin not, right? You, you don't even have the right to rest or to sit in that anger. Because you're bought with the price, right? Now, we might want to, we might justify ourselves because someone has offended us and we're angry and we'll feel justified in lashing out. But that's the way of the world. That's our way. That's the way we want to do things. That's according to our thinking and our feeling. But what matters is, what does our Lord command of us? I have to die every day. I don't want to be in that situation where I'm offended. And despite what I know the word of God to say, despite what I know would please the heart of Jesus, I am going to sit on that offense. I'm going to keep it. I am going to continue to walk in forgive, uh, unforgiveness and bitterness and condemnation and judgment because that's what I want to do. And especially when we're hurt, it's hard to let go of it. The deeper we're hurt, the harder it is to let go of it. The more we're afraid, the harder it is to trust God. The more we want to do something to kind of help us feel like we're gaining some kind of control. But we need to be willing to lay down that and, 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 just, and just lean into the Lord and, uh, and and do things God's way and trust that it's going to work out as he's said that it would. But following Christ is costly. And I'm just going to say this way. I didn't, I wrestled with whether or not to say this, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. Following Christ is costly. It'll cost you all the things that I listed earlier, all the things you mentioned and more. But despite what it will cost, the reward is far greater. 
What we don't want to do, and I wish my wife was in here. She would appreciate this. I didn't run this by her. She is, and Loretta's another one, uh, maybe some of you other ladies. They, if there is a deal to be found, they are shopping geniuses. They will find that deal. If you need something, Christy Cannon, Loretta Goodner, hey, if, if you got a limited budget, they'll find it for you. And that is a skill. That is a, you know, that's a gift. That's a blessing to be able to do that. You know, why pay top dollar for something that you can get same quality for, uh, for less money? But the one place we can't afford to have that mindset is in our relationship with the Lord. Because he's called us to discipleship. And discipleship is costly. It's costly for us to grow from children to huios, mature sons, sons and daughters of God. And it's a cost, though steep it is, that we must be willing to pay that top rate, to pay the cost in order for us to mature in that way and do things God's way. What we can't afford is to, is to do it on the cheap. To follow God without paying certain costs. Yeah, I want to follow him, but I don't want to sacrifice my pride. I don't want to sacrifice my way of doing things. I don't want to sacrifice what I'm comfortable with. I don't want to pay that cost. I want to follow him in a way that's convenient for me. That's wanting to do it on the cheap. And let's not cheapen that. Let's pay the cost that we're called to pay. Let's not haggle. Let's not negotiate. Let's not try to find a 10% off coupon with God. Let's, let's pay the full rate so that, so that the character of Christ can be fully formed in us and we can truly represent him well and accurately in this world. Are you hearing me? There are times when the word of God will be offensive to us. I know that's been the case with me in my life. It's not always easy when God challenges me and he convicts me and he deals with me in an area that needs to change in my life. There's not, it's, it's not totally uncommon for me to be offended at first. Because it demands a cost that I was unwilling to pay. That's the root of the offense. Sometimes the word of God will offend us. Sometimes when someone admonishes us in the word, it's offensive to us. And we don't tell ourselves this, but at the heart of it is, we're not willing, we're being called to pay the cost. And it's a cost that in that moment, we're not willing to pay. The word of God chastises us and calls us to repentance in areas we don't want to yield to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And I'm telling you, if we are resistant and reluctant and unwilling to yield to God in those areas, then it's equivalent to our trying to follow him on the cheap. Let's stay out of the clearance aisle with God. 
What's the name of an expensive store? Hmm? Walmart? <laughs> Neiman Marcus. Okay, that's one. I was going to say, what? I was going to say, what? Walmart is, uh, what God has given us and what God has in store for us is beyond measure when it comes to value it is worth more than we can fathom or comprehend It cannot enter into the mind or the heart of man what God has in store for those that love him. The eternal gift of salvation that God has given us, its worth is beyond estimation. So, whatever we give up, whatever cost that we pay, Sometimes our commitment to the Lord will cost divisions in our family. It may cost us certain status in society. It may cost us the ability to, you know, it, it may hinder our uh, ability to uh, to gain wealth and what have you. Whatever Whatever it may cost us, our attitude should be that of Paul, which said, you know, all of those things. You know, I was a Jew of Jews of the tribe of Benjamin, a Pharisee. You know, I was blameless according to the law, but I counted all of that stuff dung for the, for, for the excellency of knowing him, of, of, of being able to relate to him in the fellowship of his sufferings. And, and in saying that, he gives us a clue as to what it requires of us. He, everything that was gained to him, he was willing to pay the cost of letting that go to follow Christ. And I'm telling you, we've got to get a hold of that in the church. That's where it's at. That's where we're, that, that, that's where it'll, uh, where we need to be focused and where we need to be in order for us to grow and be able to have the impact, the kingdom impact that we ought to have in this generation that he's called us to live in. I'm not worried or concerned with the problems in government, with the problems in society and all those, all of those are issues and all of those need attention. But you know what? Society needs more than than than, than uh, political solutions and and laws passed and everything. They need more than that. They need to know God. They need to know Christ Jesus, right? And and we've got to we've got to be mature enough to be able to wade through all the voices and all the uh, uh, all the issues and and keep the main thing the main thing. Not be tossed to, 
uh, tossed back and forth, uh, 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 you know, without having an anchor in the Lord. Not be carried away with, uh, with gossipings and conspiracies and different things that will draw our attention away from what we know in the Lord. And I'm just encouraging y'all this. I'm saying this passionately. I believe this strongly. And I know it to be true. That's where God wants us to focus, that we are missing a great opportunity. That God wants us to take advantage of. We're in a time of uncertainty. We're in a time of great fear and worry and concern. We're in a time where people are losing their lives daily, thousands of people, uh, with the virus and, and, uh, uh, COVID and, and, and Delta variant is what's going on right now. There's all kinds of civil unrest. There's all kinds of things that are shaking people up. And we have an opportunity to be stable. We have an opportunity to be light. We have an opportunity to be dispensers of the life of God that is resident within us. But we have to be able to be tethered to our rock and to be, uh, uh, you know, that we have to be uh, untethered from those elements of the world through the freedom that we have in the Lord. We, we're, we're not sharing those worries and fears and doubts and unbelief. We're not allowing them to overtake us because our focus is still on Jesus. We'll walk on the water if he beckons us out there. And if we begin to sink, if we, if, if our, if our, if we get distracted for a sec, we know who to turn our gaze to. And we know who to reach out to and say, Lord, save me. And he'll do it. Right? We have a great opportunity before us to let our light so shine among those who don't know the Lord. That they will see our good works and glorify God, God the Father. And we, in order for us to be able to capitalize on this opportunity, we're going to have to be uh, disciples in the true sense of what the Bible says a disciple ought to be. We're going to have to have attitude and mindset and focus. That is consistent with biblical truth and what God has called us to. Are you hearing me? And we're going to have to be willing to suffer the pain of swallowing our pride. We're going to have to be willing to suffer the pain of forgiving those who have hurt us. As difficult as that might be to do and as painful as that might be. If we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to do it. I hope it doesn't sound insensitive. I don't know the various hurts and pains out there, but I do know what God's word says. Right? And I know he'll give us the grace and the strength to do it.
But we're going to have to obey him in those areas. It may feel good to just condemn and judge others, but that's not what God's called us to. How many of you know there's a lot of things that feel good to the flesh that'll be the death of you? But God's word will be offensive to us sometimes because it demands a cost that we're often unwilling to pay. It chastises us and calls us to repentance in areas we don't want to yield to the lordship of Jesus Christ. And because of that, it is painful to align ourselves with the word of God. But it's what we've got to do. I want to challenge you. And I challenge myself here as well. To be careful not to try and align God's word with us. But instead to align ourselves with God's word. That's a it's a it's a different message, but I believe that's uh, partly the point that Jesus was trying to convey, or Jesus was conveying when he taught. Uh, I believe it's around Luke chapter five, uh, latter part of the chapter, when he talks about the wine skins and the new wine, right. And it talks about you can't put new wine in an old wineskin. Right? And it also says in that final verse, I believe, it says that no one who's, no one who's tasted the old wine will want to taste the new wine. But to them, the old wine is always going to be good. Right? God has new wine that he wants you to taste, but because we have an affinity for what we've already experienced and what we're familiar with and what we know, we're not open to where God wants to take us, right? And so we've got to not be so so tied to what's familiar and what we like and, and, and what we have an affinity for that we're unwilling to open our hearts to what God wants to do in our lives. Let's, let's open our hearts. Let, let, let's, not, let's not hold tightly uh, 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 to anything that, that, that stems from Egypt, right? Let's not hold tightly to anything. It may not even be a sin necessarily, but whatever your, is your comfort zone, whatever it is that, 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 that you, it, it's almost like a sanctuary to you and you have, you, you, you have some value in it and you're not willing to part with it, even if God wants you to. It may be painful. The thought of you letting go may be painful, but it's a cost you must be willing to pay. 
to follow Jesus. As I said earlier, the cost of following Christ is high. Uh, I don't know that that's conveyed enough uh, in our churches today. Um, the cost of walking with the Lord. But I pray that the Lord just causes those of us who who have a calling to preach the word of God, that we begin to make that known. We begin to emphasize that, that we begin to call you to that standard. Take up your cross daily, Luke says, every day. Let the flesh die every day that the spirit may live and operate through you. I want to ask you a question. When you hear that, take up your cross. It's kind of an interactive thing today. And I appreciate y'all's willingness to take a risk. Okay. What is, what, what do you think your cross is? Anybody? Take up your cross daily and follow Jesus. Anybody want to take a guess as to what that means or have a good idea about what that means? What is your cross? Hopefully you don't consider your cross the person sitting next to you. And that, you know, I don't want that answer. So, <laughs> so uh, spouses don't get in trouble with each other. All right. Yes, and that's quite all right. But I will tell you what it hmm? And they immediately irritate you. I mean, I, you know, we're human. Sometimes we don't we don't like a person's voice, we don't like a person's look, or just something. They immediately irritate us, and it's like, Meh, I don't want to be around them anymore. God, don't ask me to minister to them. Don't ask me to sit in a class with them or a church, or don't let them ask me to do anything because they just <laughs> irritate me. You know what? That's the person He's going to ask you to serve. I found that out. You know, it wasn't fun. But probably that's a thing for me. And I saw you meet somebody new and you're like, Rang. and that's the one God wants you to walk in love. It may last one time. It may last months. But I, I have to tell myself I can't take the easy way out and ignore them. So we can consider others, whether they are relatives or nemeses or co-workers or, co- or, or students or peers. We may consider them our cross, but I, I, I want to challenge you this way. Uh, your cross is not your spouse or your children or your family or your job or your government. It's none of those things. 
your cross is the thing that needs to die in you. Your cross is your flesh. <laughs> that's what that's what you're taking to the cross, right? I mean, that's what dies on the cross, us, right? If that there is that internal conflict, the flesh wants to do one thing, and every time everything the flesh wants to do is contrary to the word of God. The spirit wants to obey God's truth. And there's that internal conflict. And so you had that tug of war going on inside. All right. You, we had to be intentional about making sure the side that wants to go contrary to God's will dies daily. And strengthen the spirit so that we are walking in the spirit according to God's truth. Are you hearing me? So every day. And so I, I, I would encourage you instead of, it's, it's easy for us to focus on the external and view the challenges that we have to deal with from the external as our cross. But that's not our cross. All of us have different challenges, different circumstances. We have victory over Satan. Christ did that work for us. We have to work out our soul salvation with fear and trembling. Right? There's a sanctifying work. There is a growth that there is a growing sanctifying work that God is doing in our lives and wants to do in our lives. And we're going to have to appreciate that, desire it, embrace it, and cooperate with it so that he can mature us into the sons and daughters of God that Romans 8 says creation is waiting to see. The manifestation of the huios, the mature sons of God. So, your cross is your flesh. It is your flesh that wants to fight all those people that I just mentioned. It's your flesh that can't stand your boss. It's your flesh that wars with your spouse, that gets you in conflict with your siblings, that, that makes you dishonor and be in conflict with your parents that make you can't stand your neighbor. That's not spirit, is it? And yet Christ, as followers of him, we really need to search the Gospels and look at what he modeled for us in them. As a mature son of God, he modeled for us how to follow him, how to deal with enemies, how to deal with those who have ill intent toward you, how to, you know, how to, how to deal with conflict, how to love God and others, right? He modeled all that stuff. How to deal with the flesh when it wells up and wants to fight against or reject or resist the plan of God? Why do you think it was important for us to see his experience in the Garden of Gethsemane? On the one hand, it looks like there was a struggle there. He told his disciples, truly, hey, the flesh is willing, but the spirit is weak. Hey, come pray with me a while. What did he say in his prayer? Father, if there's any other way. 
I know you're capable of doing anything if there's any other way. But what did he do? He resolved it. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. A mature huios may have some conflicts, may have some struggle, but they're mature enough to reach the point to where God, I've made it clear what I would like to happen in this case. However, what I care most about is your will. And what you choose, whatever your will is, I will submit to it. I will yield to you in it. I will honor you in it. I will say, yes, Lord. I will be like Mary and say, be it unto me as you've said. Amen? Let God do in us and with us what he wants to do with us. And let that which would resist it, our flesh, die. We've got to take it to the cross every day. I want to conclude. Uh, I, I, I won't really uh, delve deeply on these verses, but I, I, I do want to read them. First Corinthians 4, starting at the 14th, 14th verse. I think what Paul writes here uh, is important to what I've been saying. I do not write these things to make you ashamed, and I'm not saying any of this to make anyone ashamed here, but, but to admonish you as my beloved children. For though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. For I became your father in Christ Jesus through the gospel. I urge you then, be imitators of me. That is why I sent you, Timothy, my beloved and faithful child in the Lord, to remind you of my ways in Christ as I teach them everywhere in every church. I want to, I wanted to talk about that real briefly because I think we tend to be guilty of that uh, today. He says, though you have countless guides in Christ, you do not have many fathers. You don't have someone who is who is going to uh, nurture you, who is going to disciple you, who is going to be an example to you, who is going to help, whose purpose and whose objective is to help you grow and mature in the Lord. And if we want that, and we ought to want that because that's what Christ wants for us, then we ought to be looking for spiritual mothers, spiritual fathers, people who will not tell us what we want to hear, but tell us what we need to hear. Who will admonish us and challenge us and, and, uh, and challenge us according to biblical truth. That, 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 that if we're conducting ourselves in ways that does not represent Christ well, that we have invited people into our lives that are going to tell us in love that we're not in line. That we're not representing Christ well and that we need to uh, correct either our attitude, our behavior, and whatnot in some day. We don't need yes people or people that's going to affirm everything that we want because all we're doing then is having people scratch our ears. All we're doing is, uh, you know, we, 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 we run to people who will tell us what we want to hear. And if we're never challenged, 
And if we don't embrace being challenged, we'll never grow into wheels. And I tell you, I will put up our, uh, the, the people who serve in this ministry, <laughs> uh, the, the, uh, the, the, the elders and the leadership of this ministry as well, that we have a wealth of wisdom and resources and people who know how to walk with God in the spirit and who are more than willing to, to be a spiritual mother or a spiritual father to you and help you grow into what God's called you to be. You've got to want that and, 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 and you've got to seek it out and, and be willing to embrace that. We want to be there for you to the extent that God has called us to it, uh, whatever role we are to play in your life. But I just wanted to care, I just wanted to, uh, point that out. I thought that was significant to me when he said, you have countless guides in Christ. You do not have many fathers, for I became your father in Christ through the gospel. And he says, I urge you then, be imitators of me. That's why I sent you Timothy. My beloved and faithful child in the Lord to remind you of my ways in Christ. As I teach them everywhere in every church. Some are arrogant. We don't want, we, we need to lay down the arrogance. Some are arrogant as though I were not coming to you. But I will come to you soon. If the Lord wills and I will find out not the talk of these arrogant people, but their power. For the kingdom of God does not consist in talk, but in power. I've said what I wanted to say there and and time is dwindling down. So I will finish in Proverbs three verses 11 and 12. You know. The one thing I haven't said up to this point that I will say in conclusion is that the cross also represents the chastisement of the Lord. It's included in that. And the Bible says that he chastens those that he loves. Right. And so it says we shouldn't despise the chastisement of God or discipline of the Lord. Uh, Proverbs 3 verses 11 and 12 says this. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof. For the Lord reproves him whom he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. You know, God, whenever he convicts us and he he challenges us in an area and he requires of us to repent or to lay down an attitude or behavior that that we need to let go of, no matter how much it hurts, we're going to have to give it to God. And realize that though this is part of God's discipline. It's part of his chastisement that is needful in order for us to grow into mature sons and daughters of God. And understand the heart behind it. He reproves him whom he loves. He does it in love. As a father, the son in whom he delights. God delights in you. He loves you. He delights in you. He loves you too much to let you stay immature and, 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 and susceptible to the schemes and wiles of the enemy. He wants you to be able to be mature. Uh, you know, someone who he can entrust the keys of the kingdom to. 
Someone that can stand against the enemy in the evil day. Who knows how to skillfully handle the word of God. And who can reach into darkness. The darkness, darkest recesses of society. And bring people into his marvelous light. I'm going to ask you to stand. I hope I hope you heard the heart of this today, and uh, and I, I hope it uh, spoke to each of you in a way that it's going to uh, bear fruit in your life. My heart, and what I believe. God has put this on my heart, but my heart for for those whom God has entrusted me with is to is just to preach the unadulterated truth of God's of God's word to you. But my objective is for you guys to be built up, to be edified, to grow in maturity, so that you can be fully what God has called you to be. So you can have the impact in your sphere of influence that God has called you to have. And the only way that that's going to happen is through what Jesus said in Luke 9, 23 there. We're going to need to follow him. You know, we're going to need to be born again. And we're going to have to be willing to pay the cost, however steep it is, pay the cost. To be his disciple and follow him. Take up our cross. Take up your cross. Deal with, you know, uh, take up your cross. Yield your flesh to God and let him deal with that flesh. Realize that you're going to have to pay the cost of your pride, arrogance, selfishness, your way of thinking, your way of doing things, your agenda, all of those things. You're going to have to yield those things up. And let God fill you with his virtues his truth his character so that you too like Paul will be crucified with Christ it's no longer you who live but Christ that lives in you where you too will say the life I now live in the flesh I live in faith of the son of God the one who loved me and gave himself for me Father God, I lift up your precious people to you right now and 
And I just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity and privilege of sharing this message to them. And I thank you for open hearts, uh, open and sincere hearts that want to follow you and, and uh, a willingness to take up their crosses daily and follow your lead, follow your example, follow your word. I thank you, Father God, for that. The I thank you, Father God, that they do not desire to follow you on the cheap. That walking with you is not something that they want to do in the bargain section. But they will pay whatever you require of them. Because you are just that precious to them. They know that no price they could pay could ever match the reward. That you have for them. I pray, I thank you for your grace on them, Father God. I pray your grace. I pray your, uh, your, your guidance, Father. Convict them, uh, us, convict us all, Father God, uh, in those areas that we've not yet yielded to you. Convict us, Father God, and by your goodness, lead us to repentance. Because the word of God says it is the goodness of God that leads us to repentance. And so, so Lord, convict us. Make us aware of where we're not yielded to you. And lovingly lead us to pay the cost, to give that area up to you and totally yield it to you and follow your way that we might be true ambassadors of yours, true representations in deed and in character to those who don't know you. That we might, that we might win some. And by so doing, please your heart. Father, we, we, I ask all this in your name, in the name of Jesus, and for your glory. Amen.